Hey there, it's Ashley Stahl here, counterterrorism professional turned career and business coach. And I am here for those moments when you look in the mirror and you realize it's time to make some sort of radical change or U-turn in your life so that you can stop operating on cruise control and start living your life on purpose. So join me here on the U-Turn podcast every single week where you're going to be hearing from inspiring, insightful guests, be it CEOs, spiritual leaders, love experts, or of course, yours truly, so that you can become your very best self without having to take life so seriously. And don't forget, if you head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com, that's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N Podcast.com, you're going to get access to show notes, which have books and resources mentioned by our guests, as well as access to one of my four free e-courses over at U-TurnPodcast.com. Whether you want to land a new job, you love, get clarity on the best career path for you, launch that dream business, or deepen your romantic relationships. Okay, enough about me. Let's get this party started with this week's guest. This episode is brought to you by Cake Publishing, Ghostwriting, Publicity, and Copywriting House, there to help influencers and entrepreneurs get their voice out there in a much bigger way. If you're ready to make a bigger impact, head on over to cakepublishing.com. That's C-A-K-E publishing.com. Hey, everybody, it's Ash here, and I am sitting with one of my friends, Max Lugavere, the best-selling author uh, in the New York Times of Genius Foods and uh, just an incredible all-around guy, and he is the forthcoming creator of the documentary called Breadhead, obviously self-explanatory of what that does, and also you'll see him on the uh, Dr. Oz show, Rachel Ray, you name it, he's been there. Max, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, uh, so it's really fun. Max and I are actually doing this in person, which usually I'm on the phone, so really interesting to be sitting here in real life. I'm excited to be here in your Art Deco apartment. Yeah, <laughs> crushing it. Kind of looks like heaven in here, right? Yeah, it does. Um, okay, so we wanted to talk about some hacks for better focus because obviously if we've got a New York Times bestselling author in the his house, yes. we need to cover wellness, neuroscience, and all of the things that can help you do better in your job. So, um, Max, we were talking before we started recording, and the first hack is the one that everybody's going to be like, yeah, I know, especially me, movement. So, yeah. Is there any way to make this topic fun? Because, I don't know, there's some some ladies out there like me that don't like moving as much, you know? You know, I mean, I think just <laughs> imbuing your day with as much movement as possible is key. Like, today, I think people are starting to understand that sitting is the new smoking. Um, yeah. But, you know, standing idly in one place on a hard, flat surface at a standing desk isn't necessarily an ideal alternative either. So, I actually became recently uh, turned on to a product from a company called uh, ergo driven. I have no financial affiliation with this company, but it's really cool. It's sort of like this standing mat that provides uh, these hills and sort of valleys for you to kind of like play on with your feet. It's really good for like, you know, your feet has uh, a huge concentration of various uh, muscles and bones. It's a really good way to do calf raises and stretch out while you're standing at your desk. Um, so, you know, I, th- I just think generally speaking, um, we wouldn't have been sedentary for very long as hunter-gatherers, and we certainly wouldn't have been sitting at desks for nine hours a day either. Mm-hmm. So when we move, I mean, essentially, it's great in terms of mobilizing lymph fluid. I mean, there are fluids in your body that don't have their own heart to pump around. So, like, lymph fluid is an, an example of that. And that's the system of uh, – it's that fluid is pushed around via a system of ducts in your body that are sort of like your body's 
uh, waste disposal system. Like, a, you know, like if you live in a high-rise building, you've got that sort of garbage uh, chute incinerator. So that's basically what your lymph ducts are. Mm. And we now know that those uh, that network is connected directly to the brain via a network that was previously thought not to exist. So just by moving, you're flushing that fluid around in your body. Mm. You're pushing new blood um, and nutrients and fuel up to the brain. So, you know, one of the things that I did while writing my book literally was in between um, writing sessions uh, with my writing partner, I would basically, we would take turns doing kettlebell swings, just <laughs> sort of like get some blood flow going, you know, oxygenate our Perfect brain wellness tissue. writer. Yeah. Doing some kettlebell swings. Totally. I'm eating Cinnabons in between my chapters, but you can talk me out of that, I think, in this episode. Yes, yes. yes. Cinnabons. <laughs> not... A little bit of a breadhead situation. Yes, exactly. That's more breadhead. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, movement's really important, and they've done actually really good research. Um, the one that comes to mind was uh, performed in Japan, where they found that people um, actually were able to retain information um, and manipulate that data that they that they were learning better when they learned it while they were moving. So some people are kinesthetic learners. Oh wow! Um, what about yeah. like pacing on the phone? Is that like an example of a kinesthetic? I think that's a conversationalist. Great, yeah, totally. Because I, I got to move. I do that. Okay. I take like walking meetings. So when I have to like good idea meet with people, you know, usually I think the worst thing to do is to be sitting in a boardroom during yeah. a meeting. I think it's always better to be walking or to sort of have some form of movement. It's going to be better for both you and the person that you're meeting with. That's like a fun manager move too. Like let's yeah. get out of the office. It's like bonus. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. what are some other little hacks though for movement? Like I like to walk. Like I am such a little camel. I could walk 10 miles, but if you make me you know, sit in a circuit class or something like I'm only going to last yeah. so long. What are some things that you suggest for everyone listening that is kind of just getting started? Yeah. I mean, I think take the stairs whenever given the opportunity. Okay. Um, or at least, you know, if you work on the 30, 30th floor, I mean, maybe take the stairs for five of those flights and then take the elevator the rest of the way up and, you know, maybe try to increase that, mm -hmm. um, by the day. Uh, you know, I think, um, just, yeah, stretching more, moving more, taking like built-in uh, breaks. So, for example, if you are stuck at a desk, you know, maybe every 20 minutes getting up and, you know, doing a chair pose in yeah. your cubicle, you yeah. know, something as simple as that. You'll look kind of crazy, but I think it's worth it. You know, at the end of the day, you're going to have a much better butt. Mm -hmm. um, Gotta love a good butt. Yeah, and your work, and your work, I think, output is going to be better. Yeah, and do you have any tools? So, you know, you talked about Ergo, right? That's the name? Yeah. Um, yeah, so what about, like, Fitbits or all that kind of stuff? Like, is there anything to help people that you believe in is a good tool? You know, I think that's a really good question. So people are obsessed, especially in my space with um, biomarkers and the quantified self and fitness tracking and things like that. I think those tools are useful to a point, but I think a way more valuable skill set to develop is to really be able to tap into your own body and really trust your subjective sense of, you know, whether or not you are getting enough fitness. Yeah. I mean, we spend too much time on our devices enough as it is. So like, you're like trying to figure out if you slept well by checking in with your device. You're yeah. trying to figure out if you got enough movement in the day by checking in with your device. No, check in with yourself. Yeah. That to me, I think is a way more worthy goal. You're going to end up saving money. And at the end of the day, devices can lie. You know, yeah. this is something that I talked about on my podcast, uh, the genius life recently, um, with a movement expert, you know, I mean, what if you end up getting like the broken version of that device or yeah. like, you know, and you've been literally like changing your sleep around this device that, Maybe you got like the wrong version or a beta or it had a bug or, you know, wasn't totally. updated that day or something like that. Yeah. Know? I mean, there's even human error. Like I just had a friend who 
thought she had cancer and the doctors just found out it wasn't cancer at all. It's like just so much error in the world that we're relying on for our health decisions, whereas the most accurate meter is just our relationship to ourselves. I know. I think it's a a fine dance because as entrepreneurs, I think it becomes so invaluable to us to be able to outsource Mm -hmm. various various aspects of our our work, right? Like it's slippery. Right. But the one thing, the, the one area where I feel like we're outsourcing too much is our wellness and our healthcare. I, I was just going to say, yeah, right? makes sense. And before we even go further, so everybody listening, Max has a pretty fascinating story with his mom. I think it's relevant just what got you to this place where you're young and you have created this book that has made such a huge impact. What was key to your journey? Um, yeah, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's like, I'm just like your typical millennial. Like, I'm the most millennial, right? Like, I grew up in, I was born in 1982. I grew up, you know, really uh, sort of hitting that threshold where the internet really came about when I was, you know, really little. And um, I feel what is, I think, characteristic of our generation that uh, I'm, I feel intrinsically empowered by technology. Uh, I kind of maybe have like this delayed, um, you know, sense that, uh, that my life is fully within my control. I want more for myself than previous generations. And so when my mom got sick seven years ago, my mom uh, has dementia and it's one of the most heartbreaking things to really ever experience. Uh, for any of you, know, you listening that has experience with dementia, Alzheimer's disease, things like that, it's, it's so tragic. And, um, you know, I was in a position in my life where, uh, I really had a unique skill set um, honed by years of working as a journalist, and I really had the the drive to want to understand why that would have happened to my mom, mm-hmm. um, especially because I had no prior family history of any kind of neurodegenerative disease, and my mom was not old. Like my mom was super young, six, uh, 58, when symptoms first uh, struck, and so I really decided to kind of put my career on hold, learn everything that I possibly could. My um, media credentials gave me the ability to access scientists that most people don't have access to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that led to me going around the world interviewing the top researchers in the field. And ultimately, uh, I just, you know, decided to take a risk and stand up and, you know, really communicate all of the things that I was learning about, you know, as it pertained to nutrition, optimal brain health, brain function, things like that. You know, what's really vulnerable, I think, about what you did was that you were just, you know, like your everyday millennial, like you're saying – But you and a lot of people who are listening, they have some sort of like something that drives them. Like your mom was sick and you wanted answers. Someone else has some other pain that they want to maybe turn into a purpose. But there's so much that happens, like imposter syndrome and feeling like a fraud. Like, how did you move through, like really taking ownership of this and then creating the massive success that you have now? Yeah. You know, I think we my I learned a very valuable lesson from my parents early on. My parents had a clothing company that for you know, maybe two decades was very successful in New York. And, you know, whenever I, to my, to my dad, uh, would express fear about doing something and not being the best at it necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad would always say, you know, before we launched our clothing company, Max, what do you think people walked around naked? There were already tons of successful businesses and people already had clothing, but you know, my parents figured that they, would have an inherently unique offering because they, you know, no two individuals are exactly alike. My parents had a different story. Um, the synergy between them, they worked together, uh, led to some really interesting designs and they were very successful. So, 
you know, I could have easily thought before I began this journey that there were already people out there doing really incredible work in the health space, right? Like mutual yeah, it's a friends busy of ours. Space. Yeah, it's a busy yeah, space. Friends, like yeah. Dr. Mark Hyman, yeah. like Steve, Stephen Gundry, people like this. I mean, Mark Hyman is a 12-time New York Times bestselling yeah. uh, author. How could I possibly uh, have something of value to add to that space that's so saturated, right? Well, at the end of the day, um, you know, I just realized that my story was unique. Exactly. That young people were not necessarily tuned into what these older doctors are talking about. Mm -hmm. People don't buy prevention. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, that my vibe, my, you know, my, my take on this subject, my advantage as an outsider, actually, mm -hmm. uh, was going to be a really powerful um, bullet to get my brand into the sort of zeitgeist, you know, the younger sort of person zeitgeist. And so, mm -hmm. um, so I really didn't listen to that, that fear. And I just kind of, you know, push, put my best foot forward and yeah. started creating content. And well, you actually make a really good point, which is story. So, you know, for me, having had thousands of people in a job hunting course, one of the things that I learned was that the biggest failure, I think, in a good job hunt or even in business is the failure to fascinate. Yeah. And your story is what fascinates people. It's what differentiates you. Um, and also, by the way, now I know why you look so on trend all the time. <laughs> I didn't know you had parents that were on a, on a yeah. clothing company. Yeah. I mean, they were they weren't exactly high fashion, but um, still they got that yeah. they got that eye, yeah. that design eye. Man. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I definitely have that. I definitely have a design eye. Um, yeah, you know, you just kind of can't. You know, I think you've got to kind of like listen to your fear, but at the end of the day, you can't let it guide you. you yeah. Know? I mean, usually, what you're most afraid to do is probably something that you should be doing. Yeah, definitely. You know, and the surrendering the desire to be the. I mean, yeah. you can be motivated by being your best, yeah. but being the best, I yeah. think that's more egoic versus your best is more growth minded. Yeah. Um, also, you know, just. And by the way, just to yeah. just to add on to that, you know, I think we all might have uh, similar things that we want to do. I mean, so you might be listening to this and say, you want to be a, a, a thought leader in the health space, right? I think we might have similar uh, what's, at least initially, but where we're all different is we all have different whys. Yeah. You know, and the why is absolutely the most important aspect of, I think, our careers. I interviewed one of the leading experts in innovation. She wrote uh, a book recently called Quirky. She's got one of the leading uh, innovation textbooks, and she's a, prof a professor at NYU. And she said she she analyzed all of the um, world-changing entrepreneurs, well, not all of them, obviously, but many of them, um, getting to know, like, first-person accounts of really how they lived their lives and the rituals that made them who they were. Steve Jobs, Thomas Edison, Elon Musk, Albert Einstein, Mer Mary Curie. Mm -hmm. And she said that one of the salient traits that united all of these world-changing innovators is that they were all driven by an idealized goal, something larger than themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're driven by something that's larger than, your, than yourself, the typical uh, rejections that we all get over the course of our journey aren't okay. gonna aren't gonna set you back. Yeah, they're because you're not yeah in the same way because you're not in it for yourself. You're in it for a goal that's larger than yourself. You're mm. being driven by, I mean, you know, essentially like why missionaries perform their their jobs. You know, like you're being driven mm -hmm. by quote unquote God. I'm not mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not a believer, but yeah. you know, it's why people that have like almost religious belief in mm -hmm. their goals. Mm -hmm never are swayed from their goal because yeah. it's not about them. You get told reject, you get, you know, a rejection in one meeting. It doesn't, it doesn't set you back Yeah. because you're not in it for yourself. You know, yeah. you're like, well, this guy doesn't see the truth that I see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that takes a lot of self-esteem yeah. to believe in your, your message, you know, cause I think, and I think that's why I focus on that a lot is that, 
in order to, yes, maybe somebody's sitting and thinking, I am driven by a vision that's bigger than me, but then they need to work on the confidence to be able to step in the face of other people who might be experts and reject their, yeah. their vision. Because even though in that rejection, so I love, I love this idea. Um, and this also gets me to just ask you, you know, what are some other, cause we were talking about some hacks. Like I asked you about staple foods, obviously in your book, everybody should get a copy of genius foods, uh, whatever max you have to pimp out. Like we got to pimp this out because you just know. Um, but what are some staple foods that are ideal for someone Let's first start with like before a job interview when you really have to perform. Because yeah. I know that there's some stable foods you should have in your day-to-day life. But let's say like I have a really important meeting at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Yeah. Like what should I be doing today? Yeah. So, I mean, if I really want to like acutely maximize my brain power, I'm consuming uh, green tea. Green tea has two powerful nootropic, i.e. memory boosting compounds in it. You've got caffeine and you've got theanine, which works synergistically. Okay. So what I like to do, especially, you know, I do a lot of television, obviously, as you yeah. mentioned, Dr. Oz, Rachel Ray. Whenever I'm about to go uh, on set, I'm drinking a little cup of green tea beforehand. Okay. I do like a concentrated version of it. So I put about four ounces of water in a cup with a green tea bag. I Does keep... it take you into the next day? So like, let's say all day Monday, you're drinking that green tea and on Tuesday, that's going to affect your meeting? Um, I drink it sort of spaced out. You okay. know, and Yeah, like... Green tea doesn't have a whole lot of caffeine, and because of the theanine, you're not going to necessarily get the jitters that you get from drinking a lot of coffee, for example. Okay. Uh, and I let it really soak in there. The more you let the green tea soak, and actually, if you put some lemon in there, you increase the bioavailability of those uh, some of the brain-boosting like polyphenols that are found in green tea by up to like 13 percent, or okay. not, sorry, 13 times, 13 okay. fold, uh, which is pretty incredible. And, so thirteen hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Exactly. Damn. <laughs> yeah. So lemon, that green tea. Yeah, lemon. Throw it in there. Um, the more you let the green tea, the the tea bag soak, the more bitter it's going to become. But actually, uh, it's going to become less tasty, perhaps. But, but it's it hurts so good. Yeah. It's the bad is the good totally. taste. <laughs> I also try to stack my mornings uh, with like the most important things that I have to do over the course of the day because we tend to be more alert in a fasted state. So. Usually if I have like an important meeting or I'm doing television early in the morning, I won't eat anything before I do that. So a lot of people call that intermittent fasting. Yeah. To me, it's just about making use of the body's natural inclination to be more clever when we're in a fasted state. Because when we're fasted, as a hunter-gatherer, that's when you really would need to be at your most clever. So really? Find your next so it's meal. about being kind of like in caveman mode where it's yeah. like, Totally. You're just totally trying totally. to survive. Totally. I have no idea. Okay. And intermittent fast, fast. Okay, wait. First, so let's go. You're Now you're giving me like I'm going on tangents. But, okay, green tea. What are a couple other optimizers? Because I, I know that there's yeah. staple foods that you go through and genius foods that people should weave into yeah. their day-to-day life. But I want that extra punch for that person that's like stressed out about tomorrow's really important day. Yeah. So in addition to green tea, what should they have on tap? Yeah, so if they do want to eat beforehand, I would definitely incorporate uh, high nitrate foods that are actually going to act as a vasodilator, pushing blood to the brain. Whoa, I don't even know what that just meant. So high like, nitrate foods and vasodilator. Yeah. What's happening? So basically, vasodilation is when your, <laughs> you know, your capillaries open up. Okay. Essentially. Okay. Um, Such a fancy way to just like put it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you've got vasoconstriction. You know, when you go into, I mean, when you take a cold shower, for example, okay. vasoconstriction, vasodilation yeah. is really important. It pushes blood flow to various organs. Yeah. Uh, we all like blood flow, right? Um, but that includes your brain, and your yeah. brain is fed nutrients and fuel by this network of microvessels. Okay. And so when you eat foods like arugula and beets, these are the two highest nitrate-containing foods. Okay. Um, you so that's a good salad to have. A good salad to have. Not yeah. the necessary. And I'm still trying to figure out, like, does it have to be the day of? Can it be the night before? Well, a single high nitrate meal might improve uh, 
cognitive function. So okay. right before, you know, you're okay. eating arugula and beets. Okay. So incorporate those two foods in your salad. Okay. Um, People say beets have high sugar, but they're still like a, a positive. There's, they're, you know, they're a starchier root vegetable. Mm -hmm. uh, veggies that grow below the ground store sugar. Veggies okay. that grow above the ground uh, don't as much. Uh -huh. Um so, yeah, like obviously potatoes, tubers, things like that, they grow below ground, they store sugar. But when it comes to beets, you're getting that betalain, which is the um, the pigment in beets. You're getting the nitrates. So I think it's definitely worth it uh, in the case of beets. Okay. Yeah. So arugula, beet salad, get that arugula, green beet pea. Salad. Also, um, another high nitrate food that has, you know, that boosts uh, vasodilation is dark chocolate. Oh, which has been I like this. Yeah. This is turning a good direction yes, for me. Exactly. <laughs> I'm resonating. So reach for 85% or higher. It's been shown to boost cognitive function acutely over the long term. Uh, habitual chocolate consumers have better memory function. Um, and there's actually this a is getting better and better. Yeah. There's actually a really interesting correlation. And of course, correlation doesn't equal causation. But um, countries that have per capita the highest chocolate consumers, they consume the most chocolate, have, have produced the greatest number, have produced a higher number of Nobel laureates. Stop. I swear, it's, a, it's an interesting Stop. correlation. There's got to be like a weird confounding variable. Like oh, the people eating the chocolate also happen to wake up at 6 a.m. and read their whole well, chocolate. That, well, that's the thing is that correlation isn't necessarily causation. Right. But it could be. Yeah, I like know? the could be, yeah. especially in the case of chocolate. That's so mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's say somebody has a really important meeting and it's 10 a.m. and it's at noon. What are like a couple like should and you know maybe they're fasting, um, cup of green tea, little bit of dark chocolate, eighty five percent plus. That's like a quick little hack. Yeah. Okay, cool. Maybe and do some movement. You know, I would get some movement in. Do a little um, walk. Yeah, get a little walk. Push that fresh blood flow up to the brain. Don't drink too much tea. Or you're gonna be like me having to pee in your meeting. Yeah. So what Bad I bad look. Well, that's an interesting. <laughs> so that's why I mentioned when I do this before television, I don't want to have to be, like pee when I'm on set, yeah. right, in between takes or whatever. So I make it a really concentrated cup. Yeah. You know, I take a okay. green a green tea bag and I put like four ounces of water. It's half a cup okay. of water. Okay. But you, just, you basically concentrate the flavanols. Yeah, because you're on TV for long segments. Yeah. You gotta I mean, wear a diaper, Max. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. Drinking all that. I'm not trying to be peeing. <laughs> like a boat with a Bet hole. Bet you didn't think this conversation will go here. Okay. Also, um, just okay. So dark chocolate, green tea, beets, arugula salad. Are there other quick power punch foods? Avocado. Um, I feel like it's the answer to everything. Avocado's very good for you, but I wouldn't say it's like one of the foods that I reach for for like an acute Punch. spike in performance. Yeah. Okay. Any other ninja foods? That's um, your next book, Ninja Foods for ninja the Power foods. Punch. Ninja foods. Um, I believe blueberry consumption. Okay. Um, so like blueberries, if you're going to reach for uh, those foods. Um, if you're going to, you know, again, consume food for, uh, yeah, I would reach for blueberries, the anthocyanins, um, blueberry extract okay. uh, has been shown to do that in animal models. Um, but, uh, okay, great. Yeah. And as far as I know that genius foods is all about like staple foods to weave into your life and myth busting yeah. as well. Yeah. So I know that you go through, you know, multiple foods. What would be like the top five foods where Right now, anybody listening, it's like, okay, now you know what you can do to get your little power punch before your meeting, but what should you start to weave into your weekly life? Just for like a long-term play? Yeah. Yeah. To win long-term. And also, can you share some stats on like, because what shocked me last time we hung out was you talking about 
how many people are destined to get Alzheimer's, yeah. which most people don't know. Yeah, well, the statistics are pretty staggering. Today, if you make it to the age of 85, you have a 50% chance of being diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And our age age range is going to increase. Oh, yeah, millennials, yeah, according to the Stanford, Stanford Center on Longevity, um, millennials are the first demographic that, on average, is going to hit the age of 90. So that means if you're a millennial, you've got literally a coin toss odds of being diagnosed with Alzheimer's one day, which is a horrific disease. So think about, you know, your intellectual capital, everything that you've worked so hard to attain, uh, your loved ones having to see you um, mm -hmm. basically become demented. Um, it's horrible. So mm -hmm. I think prevention really is something. And shockingly, uh, Alzheimer's disease begins in the brain decades before the first symptom. So, mm, I mean, so if you're thinking this is an old person's disease, you're wrong. Is it genetic? Like what, what can increase your odds even more? What are we, the factors? We have genetic risk factors. Yes. Um, but, you know, the vast... Uh, a, t a tiny amount of cases are genetically predetermined. Um, it's a it's sort of a mutation gene yeah. uh, called early onset familial Alzheimer's disease. Makes up like two to three percent of Alzheimer's cases, um, which is tiny. Uh, the vast majority are what are called uh, they're you know those cases are called late onset or sporadic Alzheimer's disease. Meaning we don't exactly know why Alzheimer's disease develops. Nobody does. Okay. Um, but it just seems to sort of sprout up in the population and really be a result of uh, certain genetic risk factors, but um, not for all people. You know, it really seems to be an environmental something in the environment that's, that's yeah. causing this increase. Okay. Yeah. Well, something in the environment. I could believe that. Yeah. I mean, our food supplies become toxic. Uh, yeah. You know. So tell so. me about like those those you know top five, and I know you go into more ingenious foods that anybody listening right now, it's like look. Have an honest conversation with yourself, and I'm, I'm, you know, maybe I'm projecting. Maybe everybody listening is a little bit more of a health eater than me, um, and I try. But what are some, you know, five staples that's like, okay, get it together. It's time to put these into your diet right now. Yeah. So I would say um, definitely that's where avocados come in. Yeah. A quarter to a whole avocado every day. Every day. Yeah. Okay. It's the ultimate brain protecting food. Oh my god. The ultimate. Yeah. It. Um, is the high, it's got the highest concentration of fat-protecting antioxidants of any fruit or vegetable, and your brain is made of fat, which means that these fat-protecting antioxidants like vitamin E and certain uh, carotenoids, um, like lutein, zeaxanthin, you don't have to remember those names, but it makes your brain good. really really keen on okay. them because okay. they protect fatty structures. So, so guacamole every day. Guacamole every day. Guacamole That's fine. the dream. Yeah, that's the dream. Okay, so far, yeah. Genius Foods is feeling very approachable. Yes. You're like, check. Check. Um, Chocolate, guacamole. Perfect. Yeah. Next. I would say dark leafy greens. We talked about arugula, but kale, spinach, foods like that are okay. uh, really important. Research. I've heard some controversy around kale. So is it as good as everybody thinks it is? Is it not? Yes. Okay. It's good. Okay. Yeah. The problem is... Um, it's green as hell. Yes. Yeah, so green. green. Hell. I feel yeah. like I'm eating the planet. Like, You're, full Yeah. On. Eating like chewing Good God. Brush, like, yeah. Um... No, it's very good for you. It's very nutrient-dense. Okay. Yeah, it's full of magnesium, folate. Is there certain things that people do that kind of ruin kale? Because I know that there's certain ways you could treat your food that kind of kills the nutrients. Um, no, I would say any way that you're eating kale is great, with the exception of, like, sautéing it in unhealthy oils. Okay, yeah. no more buttered sautéed kale for me. Well, butter butter is actually not bad, especially if it's grass-fed. It's the, it's the grain and seed oils like canola oil, corn oil, soybean oil. These are, like, the worst. Okay. Um, usually if you go to... Whole Foods or like any of these like chain supermarkets and you go to the hot bar or even the salad section, honestly. It's canola like oil city. Salad. It's canola oil city. Oh no. You don't want that. You don't want that. That ruins my lunch plan. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, certain salad chains that uh, we don't have to mention, but um, big salad chains. Certain things that, going unnamed, um, yeah. McDonald's. <laughs> they're, they're, they're salad dressings. The commercial salad dressings are like the worst offenders in the world, which is kind of ironic because for most people that are really trying to like improve their diets, they're buying a, a salad, salad Yeah, salad is like the, the, the healthiest meal that they're going to eat that day, and they're sabotaging it by using those commercial salad dressings. So maybe this is a good hack too, is like, if, cause I'm not the best chef. I took my cooking class last night. I told you about, but, um, I, I'm guessing that maybe that's one of the most productive things you can learn. If you aren't the best cook is at least learn how to make your own dressing. So you know what you're putting in. Totally. What do you put into your own dressing? That makes it a little more fun than what I think you tend to do No. with the olive oil. I could just picture you with olive oil yeah. and like, salt or something yes. even not that no i you can make it fun you can make Come on. it super fun give me your best man well always extra virgin olive oil okay i'm using extra virgin olive oil i'm using is there any um, like fun secret oils that are like oh cool well avocado oil is i guess a, a great alternative okay um but really my preference is extra virgin olive oil okay and um i'm using you know either apple cider vinegar or balsamic vinegar which i love okay. um lemon juice salt pepper i love throwing in some nutritional yeast a really great salad dressing that i like to make is uh you basically use a little bit of um equal parts apple cider vinegar extra virgin olive oil salt pepper Maybe some fresh chopped garlic. If you don't amazing. have like a date going on later that day, it's amazing. <laughs> fresh chopped garlic. Is don't a have the garlic if you're yeah. hooking up with somebody, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and then also nutritional yeast, key ingredient. Okay. I love nutritional yeast. So a lot of people probably don't know what that is, but you guys can find that in a little tub in the grocery store, probably at Whole Foods or I something a little more high end. Yeah. I don't know if they're hitting or that nutritional yeast. Or order it from like big, you know, online retailers. Yeah. Like it's pretty easy to find. Yeah, Amazon Prime it up. Yeah, exactly. It's not on Amazon Prime. It doesn't exist. Exactly. <laughs> Okay. And, um, okay. So we talked about avocado. Um, what are some other, you know, olive oil, what are some other staples to include in your week? Um, I would say, uh, eggs, okay. very, very healthy. I mean, a lot of people are confused about the cholesterol content of yolks. Yeah. Like I how many is too many? Cause I could go nuts. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, I if I'm eating three a day, like I'm happy, okay. you know, sometimes I am not in the mood for eggs, but uh, there's for the vast majority of people, there's always going to be exceptions in biology, but for the vast majority of people, dietary cholesterol has no impact on blood cholesterol. And the link between, you know, serum cholesterol and disease is, uh, a complicated one and it's not necessarily a causal relationship. So, um, yeah, go to town. I mean, an egg yolk is literally nature's multivitamin. Okay. So when it comes to brain health, you know, it's, Super, super, super key. It's just so weird. Like, I just think about, like, these little chickens, like, creating these egg yolks. And I'm like, what did the chicken eat throughout his life? Is the chicken sick? Like, what can right. we do to buy the best eggs? Omega-3 eggs or oh. pasture-raised. Okay. Yeah. So you want the, the card to say pasture-raised or omega-3 enriched. Okay. Pasture-raised are better um, than omega-3 enriched, but omega-3 enriched are fine. And if you're tight on cash... Just know that any egg that you buy is going to be healthy. I mean, okay. you know, it's sort of a spectrum. There are healthier eggs and eggs that are not quite as great. But in general, mm -hmm. it's a very economical way to get a, a huge array of nutrients and protein. And, okay. Yeah, and good. when you talk about fasting, intermittent fasting, like and meetings and how your body's doing better because it's kind of in survival mode mm -hmm. and you're on high alert, at what point is it too much? You know, like let's say you wake up, you're a little hungry. But you're like, you know what, I'm going to fast until my 11 a.m. meeting so that I'm in peak performance mode. At what point does the point of diminishing returns kick in? And it's like, ooh, you should probably have those eggs or that avocado. Yeah. Like, you're not going to focus as well. Yeah, well, I find that when I'm eating a, a 
when I'm being really diligent about my diet, I really don't have hunger pangs all that often. Okay. I think hunger is sort of this modern uh, phenomena where, you know, I, I think for most people, I think uh, obviously, you know, we've evolved hunger as a sort of signal to tell our, you know, brains that we need more food, right? But I think most people experience hunger today as a result of eating too many carbohydrates, you know, okay. because our blood sugar, we've got this sort of roller coaster that we're on. So all this lends itself to my next question, but before we get there, what are some other foods that you recommend in addition to eggs and avocados? What are your top two or three other ones? Um, low sugar fruits. Uh, we talked a little bit about berries, um, mm -hmm. blueberries, strawberries. All berries are great for you. How much is too much? Because I go nuts. Yeah, I mean, the research shows that um, about a cup, uh, a, a serving or more a week of um, blueberries is enough to really give yourself. Oh, a so benefit. not every day. You don't have to eat it every day, but certainly okay. if you, you know, if you enjoy them, I mean, give yourself a little treat. But right. yeah, about, I'm trying to incorporate blueberries in my diet at least once a week. Okay. Yeah. I ask because, you know, sometimes if you do like, for example, I love sweets. And so if I get blueberries, it's like I'm filling the void of a cookie or yeah. a cupcake. So usually I have like 7,000 blueberries because I'm like, oh, I just wish this was a cupcake, you know? Yeah. It's like the time that I stopped, tried to stop eating fudgicles and I got diet fudgicles and I had like 17 diet fudgicles oh to replace one. I know, I know I'm a nightmare, but I'm working on it. It's good. I mean, yeah. So what's the point of like, okay, slow down on the blueberries, sister. Like, where do we draw the line? I mean, I think, you know. For the sweet tooth ladies that are listening. Yeah. I mean, and men, evolved gonna, men too. Well, the thing is, blueberries are self-limiting in the sense that, you know, they contain fiber. They're, you know, I recommend organic blueberries. They're on the EPG's uh, work, uh, Dirty Dozen list. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you want to buy, make sure that you're buying organic. And so they're self-limiting in the sense that, you know, usually they're pretty expensive. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think within those uh, constraints, I mean, people, it's kind of hard to overconsume blueberries. Yeah, um, yeah. And you know. what about, what are some fruits that people, because I know that there's some fruits that it's like, you don't need to buy organic, it's just better. Yeah. Which are the ones like blueberries where it's like, you've got to go organic. Yeah, I buy organic blueberries. Or don't uh, eat them at all. Strawberries, yeah. You don't need to buy organic avocados. Okay. If you're buying dark leafy greens, like I mentioned, spinach, kale, arugula, you want to make sure that... Uh, those are organic. So which ones don't have to be organic then? That's the easier. Well, question. any fruit where you're not eating the skin. Okay. You know? So like a banana. Yeah, like I wouldn't. You wouldn't need to buy an organic banana. You wouldn't need to buy an organic grapefruit. Okay. Um, you know things like that. Great. Uh, but dark leafy greens, berries, where you're eating the whole fruit, you really want to make sure that you're that you're buying organic. And also, I mean, it's not just about the pesticide exposure. It's about these foods tend to be healthier anyway. That you're okay. getting more nutritional bang for your buck. Okay, amazing. And um, what are some foods that we think are okay that are, and sorry in advance, like you're going to have to speak to me like I'm a seven-year-old yeah. because I can't, you know, what are some like common foods that everybody's eating that like in the morning, like I feel like Quaker oats are like, what are some of the things that's like, oh, no, 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 this is actually not a good idea at all, but yeah. we really think we're being good to ourselves. Yeah, I would say most, the vast majority of commercial salad dressings even okay. more organic, like healthily labeled and marketed salad dressings are usually made with very unhealthy oils. Okay. Um, so you want to look at the label and make sure that there's no corn oil, canola oil, soybean oil, grapeseed oil, extra virgin olive oil, or avocado oil are the only oils that you want in your salad dressing. Um, so as an extension of that, I would say most people still believe that canola oil is very healthy and oils like grapeseed oil. They're the exact opposite. They're very unhealthy. So okay. I, would, I would cut those out of your diet. What about like I oatmeals or peanut butters or like is there anything we should be watching out for? Yeah. 
I, you know, I'm a fan of peanut butter. Okay. Um, people are concerned about uh, like, is it organic? Is yeah. it sugar-free? Which brand? My that preference. Kind of my preference is for organic. Uh huh. Um, and you want to make sure that there's no added sugar and especially no hydrogenated oils. Okay. Um, you know, partially hydrogenated soybean oil or things like that. I think those have recently been outlawed, actually, thankfully by the FDA. But you want to just look on the label, and your peanut butter should contain only peanuts and maybe salt. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Okay. And are there um, any things that, you know, like, for example, I grew up in Generation Kraft Macaroni and Cheese, mm-hmm. you know, Hacky Sacks, the good old Tamagotchi, the yeah. good old days. Uh, yeah, same. Exactly. So um, are there some common foods that you think we're still weaving into our diets that kind of snuck in from our childhood that it's like, let that go right now. It's so bad for your brain. Um, you know, I think people are still... Uh, Obsessed with pizza, pasta, bread products, granola bars. What do we do to replace it? Because I can't just, like, throw away my friends. Yeah. You know? know, Now we've got some good, if you really need that sandwich, you know, I think we've got to kind of evolve past the sandwich mentality. Oh, I love Um, sandwiches, Max. But they have good, like, paleo breads. You know, not that that I'm paleo necessarily, but, like, the paleo breads. But those taste so paleo. They taste so little. Come on, Max. Give me some. Can we do gluten-free bread? The problem is gluten-free bread is usually made with, like, ground-up pulverized rice powder, which is yeah. really high glycemic, meaning it causes your blood sugar to, like, go to the roof. Oh, got it. Yeah. You know, I thought I was being so good buying yeah. all that gluten-free bread. You know what? Let's talk about fads. What are some fads? Like, I want to know about, like, detoxes or plant-based eating. Yeah. What are some fads that are good, and what are some fads that are like, why are we all following this? Like juicing. Yeah. I think about juicing, and I'm like, isn't that just a lot of sugar all day, and we're kind of feeling crazy? Totally a fad. Detox tea is totally a fad. I think... uh Okay, so juicing is a fad. Detox. I mean, I'm sure there's some good juicing. Yeah. But doing it all day. That well, kind of thing. vegetable juice, I think, is fine. Um, probably not as good as eating the whole vegetable. But yeah, I mean, sometimes I'll buy. Uh, if I'm craving that potassium, you know, or that or chlorophyll, which you know is what gives greens their green color. Um, I'll buy like a pure vegetable juice, but I'm looking on the label to make sure there's no fruit. You don't want fruit juice. Oh, but what if you need a little power punch, like a little apple, a friendly little apple in the kale? Sorry, Ashley, no bueno. Why? Come on. This is feeling like, this is starting to feel like a therapy session where I'm like holding on for dear life. People are listening to me for having a breakdown. You don't want fruit juice. Oh, my God. You don't want fruit juice. It's not good. It's, um, it's basically, it's pure sugar. Yeah. With the, um, with the fiber removed and the fiber is really what slows down the absorption of that fruit sugar in your gut and your gut has a limited capacity uh, of absorbing that fruit sugar actually i mean if you consume most people can only tolerate about 25 grams of fructose Mm -hmm. in the small intestine anything more than that is going to be fermented by the bacteria in your large intestine. That sounds like a really bad time. That sounds like a bad time. I don't know what that looks like, but... That's a bad time. Enough. That's a bad time. It can give you a stomachache, essentially. Or you're just going to totally shit your pants. Yeah, you don't want that. You don't want that. Oh, my God. The more you're, like, myth-busting for me, I'm just hearing, like, Simon and Garfunkel in my head, and it's like... Hello, darkness, my old <laughs> friend. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Okay. Um, okay, so detox teas are a fad. Juicing all day with fruit juice, anything that has fruit. So juicing all day, what if you juice all day with green juices that don't have fruit? Is that a good thing? Is that a good reset for your system for like three days to have like green juice galore? I think it's fine. You could is also, it fine, you could, but you is could, it good? You could also do a water fast. 
you know, oh God. You could, yeah, I mean, sounds so, like a punishment. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing is that if you're eating healthy, definitely need a diaper for that one. Right. <laughs> you know, although after a few days, I don't even know where what, oh what's going to be coming out. But, Jesus but let me know. Do that. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Look at me. You think I'm, I'm like on the cliff right now? You think I'm going to go fling myself off of Malibu Canyon? Okay. So, um, okay, so detox teas, like fruity juices. Um, what are the other, like, fads that we're kind of buying into right now that it's like, okay, stop while you're ahead? Um, I mean, I think, you know, this is going to be a little controversial, but I think veganism is a fad in the evolutionary sense. Yeah, talk on, to on me a, about plant-based On a, on a geological like, time scale, I mean, veganism is certainly something that today we have the moral uh, ability to do, to do, and I, I, I would never... Um, you know, I don't, I don't tend to engage in like moral conversations because, you know, I have a little bit of conflict. My, my mom was an animal lover growing up and, and I love animals, but I also think that, um, from an evolutionary standpoint and in terms of health, uh, you know, we really are designed to be omnivores and Mm -hmm. certainly we were omnivores for the vast majority of our evolution. There's no documented vegan hunter gatherer society. Um, and you know, when you look to meat, and especially properly raised meat, fish, uh, eggs, things like that. Um, they provide a bevy of nutrients uh, and conditionally essential nutrients that um, we know that, you know, humans perform better when they consume. So, Got it. So does this, do I have to give a bacon or is that still in the club of being an omnivore? Well, I think know. bacon can absolutely be incorporated into a healthful diet. I wouldn't call bacon a health food. Um, no, yeah, Not a genius food? Um, well, you know, so some bacons have added chemicals and preservatives and things like that that I would say are certainly not healthy. Yeah. Um, you, if you're going to eat bacon, you want it to be as unprocessed as possible. Okay. Um, and from a, uh, uh, an animal that was pasture-raised and treated kindly. Yeah. Um, I would talk to you about sugar right now, but I'm like, okay, it's like if you're talking about bacon at Denny's, that is not a health food. Oh, bacon yeah. at Big D's? Yeah. Come on! Break it to you. All right, this is the breakdown. Continue. Beautiful but broken is what I'm starting to feel about Beautiful myself. <laughs> okay, um, plant-based diet. So my my best friend from high school is vegan, and she's like the perfect case. I told her I'm like, if I could do a, a heat map of your body, like what you're composed of, it's like, okay, we got like macaroni on your shoulder and then there's like bagels by your ankle like it's like she's just made of carbs so what are some of the things that people who go plant-based so let's say somebody really does have an issue with animal rights which i've gone through it but then i smelled bacon one day and fell off three months in but what are some things that the the person who wants to go plant-based needs to start considering to implement into their diet and really keep consistent yeah well, I think for one, supporting grain-based agriculture is uh, just as uh, you know cruel and environmentally unfriendly as anything else, and it, probably more so actually. So, you know, to really realize that by skipping the grain products and especially the processed foods, you're doing better by your own body and biology, and you're also doing better for the environment. I think when it comes to incorporating uh, animal products, you really want to make sure that you are, um, you know, getting food from producers that are ideally local and that really pride themselves on um, sustainable farming practices and by treating and, you know, per- perhaps... But is that just a feel-good thing, like, that they treat the animals right? Or are you saying that, that because they're local, there's some no, sort of, like, health benefit? No, I think it's important. You don't want a stressed-out, inflamed animal oh, God. Uh, meat. Yeah, you want to... The people who are teetering on the plant base right now, they're moving to the plants. Is that come? No, I mean, it's the, it's the kinder thing to do to um, opt for meat that has been treated, you know, that comes from an animal that has been treated kindly its whole life. 
um, and has been given the food that it, you know, is evolutionarily designed to crave. You know, in a cow's case, it's grass. In mm-hmm. a chicken's case, it's bugs and, you know, things that it finds in the grass. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and, and to realize that, you know, that sort of uh, ecosystem of a cow eating grass is really, I mean, it's this, per- it's this perfect system. And I'm not saying that we need to eat tons and tons and tons of meat. I think vegetables are just as important. I mean, I think, you know, one of the main arguments that um, plant-based consumers use is that, like, they'll, they'll describe an omnivore as being like, a, you know, as being like a McDonald's eating, you know, uh, slob, for example. Mm-hmm. But, like, you can be an omnivore and, eat, you know, have three quarters of your plate made of plants, filled with plants, and then the other quarter is filled with a grass-fed piece of meat. And that is absolutely a, health, a healthy meal. Okay. You okay. Know? And kind of going into detoxes again, we live in L.A. Well, you're in New York most of the time. But what are some detoxes that, like, let's somebody, say somebody wants to do a health reset. They want to get optimal brain function. Maybe they want to lose a pound or two. Yeah. What are some detoxes that you think are really solid? Cut out the grains. Um, cut out the dairy. Uh, consume more cruciferous vegetables. What's that? Um, like Crucifer. broccoli, kale, romaine lettuce, radishes, things like that. What about when your body wants a carb? Like, is there some sort of like healthy choice to kind of satisfy that little knock? Yeah, on I mean, the carb we door. We talked about dark chocolate. We talked about berries. You can go nuts? for beets. Nuts are great. Okay. Cash- cashews are higher in starch. Pistachios. No wonder I love cashews so much. Carbs. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, when I'm, sweet potatoes are fine. Okay, you know? that's um, a good one. What else? Yeah, berries, fruits. I mean, at the end of the day, fruit is good, but also just be mindful of the fact that fruit today is cultivated to contain more starch and sugar than ever before in human history. So yeah. you want to really be mindful of that. I'm not a big advocate of unlimited fruit consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about some, oh, go ahead, with rituals, anything else that you would rituals? suggest? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, yeah, I was thinking if you're craving, if you're craving sweet foods, I'm, you know, fine with monk fruit, stevia, sweetened. Yeah, somebody things. just mentioned monk fruit, fruit to me for the yeah. first time, and I was expecting some big piece of fruit, but it was like a bag of what looked like to be sweet and low, but not. Yeah. Super not sweet and low. Obviously. I'm not a fan of uh, artificial sweeteners generally, but stevia is basically just a ground up root. Okay. Um, so stevia is fine. Um, ultimately, you want to kind of re, you know, get yourself off of that sweet. Uh, addiction, you know, yeah. the, the, that craving for that sweet mouth fuel mm-hmm. flavor. Um, and kind of going back to this idea of rituals, like if there were like two or three brain optimal rituals that somebody could really implement into their life right now, be it health related, be it food related, that could really improve their performance at work mm-hmm. and in their happiness, you know, yeah, being yeah. with it feels yeah, good. Yeah. What would be a few things that you would recommend? It could be things that you know, you take away and rituals you add in, like yeah. what would you recommend? We talked about exercise. Um, I would say incorporating high intensity exercise into your day, uh, especially weightlifting. Every day? Um, no, not necessarily every day, uh, but incorporating into every workout, okay. I should say. Um, and that includes you ladies. Like, I think weightlifting is so important. Um, also, uh, I would say de-stressing, you know, getting a, a handle on stress, uh, super, super important. Realizing the value of sleep. Sleep is sacred. Um, realizing that, that literally sleep is going to be the sort of the thing that you do that lifts the tide on all of the boats in your harbor, you know, mm-hmm. your personal That's so life, poetic, life. Matt. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't know you had that in you just right now, but I, you do. You are a writer. I'm a, I'm a believer in sleep. Okay. Um, 
And we now know that when you're sleeping, your brain is actually cleaning itself, purging itself of toxins that accumulate over the course of the day. Oh, wow. So it's a really, it's like a free car wash for your brain every single night. Wow. Yeah. The car wash. Going to bed, going to the car wash. Exactly. Okay, so just some final questions. Like, is there some sort of trend or food or something that you're just loving right now? Um. What's the new thing? Trend or food that I'm loving right now. I, um. Because you remember Brussels sprouts yeah. were kind of out of style? I now they're like so on trend. Like, what are you, is there anything new that you're like, God, that's so cool. Monk fruit I've been hearing about, so. Um, monk fruit's good. I would say it's kind of, I guess it's a new trend, but I'm a fan of collagen um, okay. as a protein. Okay. It's sort of, you know, very popular as a supplement right now, but again, it's not really a trend in the evolutionary standpoint. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at alpha wolves, they're eating, they're going for like, Skin. Collagen rich skin. Oh God. So Hannibal Lecter to think that we want some collagen. Yeah, but it's super important. Yeah, totally. Um, Okay. So getting that collagen protein, uh, I mean, you can get that from whole food. You don't have to buy it from a supplement. If you're eating like a chicken leg, leg, you, um, you know, because a chicken leg is a joint, basically you're getting lots of collagen, eat the skin. Um, I would say that's like definitely a, a favorite. Perfect. And final question before I ask where everybody can find you, um, which if everybody hasn't already gathered, Genius Foods book. Um, what is a quote that you live by or a mantra or something that you really take to heart when it comes to your, your brain, your health, your well-being, your life? Man. Mine is YOLO, but YOLO. be practical. <laughs> I like that. Um, I would say... Man, you know, I think, well, especially for, you know, the listener, um, life isn't about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. Yeah, I love that one. You know, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I'm sure. And when I think about creating yourself, I think about how your brain probably looks compared to everybody else's like neon pink. It's just so shiny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shining brain. Well, you know, I mean, I, you know, I really have dedicated myself to making my life work via, uh, creativity and intellectual capital. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't, you know, I want to work by really helping people and by creating stuff, creating content. And, you know, I never once uh, had any yearning to sit behind a desk for nine hours a day. So, um, so, you know, for me, I rely on my brain power and, and, you know, if you're listening to this, you know, you obviously do too as an entrepreneur. So, um, so at the end of the day, I think it's really important to realize that you can be whatever it is that you want to be. You can be anything. You just can't be everything, but yeah. you can be anything. Amazing. And tell us, everybody, where they can find you. When is your documentary coming out? Do you know yet? Give, give us the goods. We're still working on the documentary. Um, we are uh, you know, in the fundraising um, phase for Great. that. So you know, anybody interested in, in helping out can reach out to me. But, yeah, I'm, you know, when you uh, – you know, just on Instagram. all social media platforms, Instagram at Max Lugavere. It's L-U-G-A-V as in Victor, E-R-E. Um, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, come find me, say hi. And then, yeah, pick up my book, Genius Foods, which is available anywhere books are sold. You can go to GeniusFoodsBook.com to download a free sample chapter. Amazing. Um, but, yeah. Thank you so much. This was so great. Thank and you, so Ashley. unusual considering I'm not the health nut. Other than having a mole in the same place on your face and having the same birthday as me and having the same That's friends as me, insane. your diet is wildly different than mine, and I love that. But so. you're getting there. You're getting there. I'm getting there. I'm now afraid. I am. Now that I've had my confessional in the form of an hour podcast episode. I mean, we're already, like, almost the same person. Yeah. <laughs> 
Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. You can find all of the resources that our guests mentioned on our show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N Podcast.com. Also, don't forget, on the website, we've got our four free e-courses, whether you want to land a new job you love, get clarity on the best career path for you, launch your dream business, or deepen your romantic relationships. I'll talk to you soon. Can't wait to connect on next week's episode.